Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> So I'm here with Ashlyn. Ashlyn and, uh, Thomas. Ashlyn Thomas. I wasn't yes. going to say your last oh. name, but, but you said it, <laughs> yes. so it's good. Yes. All right. And how old are you? I am 18, and I turn 19 in like two or three months. All right. Yes. You're kind of family. You're the granddaughter of yes. where Grandma I live. Candy. Grandma mm-hmm. Candy. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm my prince mispronounce this, but you were born with spina bifida. Spina bifida. Spina bifida. Yes. Yes. Okay. Medically speaking, what is that? So, I have more than just spina bifida. It's a long name. It's spina bifida occulta with tethered cord. Um, And spina bifida specifically is a neural tube defect that happens when you are in your mom's tummy. Usually they can tell that sort of thing with an ultrasound, but because mine was a little more mild whenever um, they did the ultrasound, they couldn't tell because some people with spina bifida are born and they have an actual opening in their spine. Mine was closed. Um, I just had a little skin tag at the base of my spine and it had a bunch of nerves wrapped up together. So spine bifida varies a lot from kid to kid. Um, some people have it more severe. Some have it more mild. Um, I also have a tethered cord, which makes me a little bit different than other kids with spine bifida. Um, that basically is a tethered cord that's attached to my spine. And it's really tight. It cuts off oxygen to nerves. So that's been the main thing for me that's restricted me with um, medical issues. So... It really varies. Uh, they call it, I think, like the snowflake condition because every kid is very different when it comes to spina bifida. And the tethered cord, is that a nerve cord? Um, I'm not actually sure because I've never... I mean, I've seen it in an MRI. I don't, I, I don't even know exactly what it is. I know it's not supposed to be there or something I was born with. It attaches, I believe, to my spinal cord. And um, when I have my surgeries, it they detether it like they disconnect it um and i don't think they can take it out or anything like that so when they detach it um after like it depends it can be like maybe a year it can be a few months it'll reattach trying to heal itself and that causes me problems when it reattaches and i grow and it gets tight again because then it'll cut off more oxygen and cause more pain it feels like constant tension in my back so yeah so as I understand it, when you were little, it wasn't creating a lot of trouble as you entered puberty and really started growing. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, you, you know, grow through a big growth spurt when you turn like 13 and I'm like 5'8", five, 5'7", five, <laughs> which was not perfect for my condition. Um, whenever I was younger, I used to run like I could feel both of my legs perfectly fine and everything. Um And then once I started growing a lot around like 12, that's when it was starting to bother me again. And I had another spinal, I've had five total. And my first one, I was four months old. They detached it and I was good for 10 years because I was so little. And then I had my second one when I was 10 years old. And that one went really good. I was running again within two weeks. So I recovered really well with that. And then after 10 years old, then I really started growing a lot more. And by the time I was 13, 
I was like growing a lot, like maybe three inches in like a summer. Like I would really grow fast. Um, and when I was 13, that was the surgery that didn't go so well. So since then I've had a lot more surgeries and I've had a lot more issues going on with everything. So yeah. When you said it didn't go so well, are you comfortable saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. Um, when I had my third surgery, when I was 13, they weren't able to actually detether my tether cord and there was a lot of nerve damage and it affected my L4, L5 and my spine and um, I couldn't feel like mostly from my knees down different muscle groups that are affected from that area of the spine like my feet, my calves, um, my glutes, my hamstrings. Um, there was a lot that was affected with that surgery and originally I didn't really know what was going on because I didn't, I mean, I was 13 years old. I didn't really know the risks that come with a surgery like that. Um, and I was always so fortunate that my other ones went really well, so I never really expected anything differently. Um, but after that surgery, uh, I was in the hospital bed for, it, it went really bad just in general. Like I was feeling horrible uh, when they tried to get me up to walk. I was having a very difficult time just even sitting up. Um, and when they tried to get me up to walk and I was using a walker, I was explaining like I didn't really feel my feet, like it just felt weird. And they were like, oh, it's probably just the anesthesia wearing off and everything. So I was completely unaware of what was going on with my body. And that was early into the summer. And throughout the whole summer, I was still using a walker and I was really confused what was going on. And my doctor that performed that surgery didn't really explain what was going on. So I was very confused and I was still in a lot of pain. So it was very hard for me to try and understand what was going on with my body and luckily my dad he looked into a Boston Children's Hospital and we got a second opinion from a neurosurgeon there and we went out to Boston like within maybe six months after that and we did another MRI my tethered cord was still attached I was getting worse by that point I was using a wheelchair a lot because I was in so much pain just walking and then they told me that it would probably be best to try and do another surgery because I just couldn't like handle that pain. It wasn't sustainable to just be in a wheelchair because of pain. And so we did another surgery and it was like almost exactly a year later, which you don't usually have like two spinal surgeries in a year. That's not something you do. I mean, spinal surgeries just to begin with are very risky. So we did another one and that one went better for sure. It helped relieve a lot of pain for me. Um, nerve damage though, isn't something that just like will heal, uh, just from having another surgery. If anything, I mean, I think when you learn about the human body, there's like, you know, your skin, like it heals very fast, but like then there's certain things, certain cells that don't recover as fast or may not like nerves. Nerves can take like 10 years to heal if they do heal. So um, after my fourth surgery, I was still like using a walker and everything, but, uh, I worked really, really hard to try and go to physical therapy and get myself as independent and mobile as I could after that surgery too. So has the experience from that surgery when you were 13 and the two surgeries in Boston, do you think given you more 
agency in your own medical care? Like make me more involved and like care to know what's going on with my body. Right. And the ability to speak out. Yes, definitely. Which I was always like that when I was little, when I would go to the doctors, I would always talk to them. But I do think now I'm more like, I want to know exactly what you're doing to my body. Like, I don't want to get myself in a situation where I'm just kind of going with it because that's what I think is best for me. Or like, I'm just trusting what my parents say. I want to like really research what's going on. Um, That makes me think of maybe I was around 14 or 15. I can't remember. I went to go see a pain management doctor because even though that surgery helped, I was still dealing with more pain because when you can't feel your legs, you know, from your knees down and you're using something to help you walk, you're compensating with other muscles and that will, you know, make your back hurt more, whatever, muscular wise, like you're going to have some weak muscles and the other ones are going to try and pick up the slacks for that. So I was still dealing with more pain, but it wasn't from my tethered cord. And so we saw a pain management doctor, um, cause I didn't want to be taking like strong pain medications like oxycodone. Like I was prescribed, I would refuse to take those. Um, and she recommended to try, I can't remember the name of the procedure. I think it's like Ryanos something. I can't remember. Um, but it's where they burn your nerves and your back to try and like dull the pain sensation that you're receiving. And I didn't really like that idea because I mean, a lot of my issues come from damaged nerves. So why would I, you know, purposefully damage the nerves? Um, and they didn't have a lot of studies on it in like 15 year old kids because it's mostly older patients and didn't have a lot of long-term studies. And I was like, I don't really like that. And they said, well, let's try steroid injections first and see if that at least relieves some pain because it would be about the same sort of feeling. And so we tried the steroid injections and I had no relief. So I was like, no, we're not doing that. I I don't want to put myself into this situation and like have it potentially cause more issues down the road if I was getting nerve pain in my back from it. I have, I have no clue how it affect me. So that made me like really be more active when it came to learning about the stuff that was going on with my body and what the doctor said. Cause it, I think it made me kind of just not full heartedly trust them. I have to kind of like make sure I'm looking out for myself the most because I mean, some doctors are great and then some of them are like, you know, you got to be careful what they say and you have to make sure that you can trust them and that they have your best interests or they're not trying to just give you like a band-aid solution like medicine or whatever so it definitely made me go out of my way more to learn about everything that the doctors would prescribe for me so is detaching this cord a part of your future for the rest of your life um i am not quite sure actually so I mean, I'm about to be 19 years old, so hopefully I'm done growing. I should be. That's what they told me. Like, 18 years old, you should be done. Um, so it's already reattached. I had an MRI done, um, I think, like, three or four months ago because I fell, and I had a tailbone injury, and I got a concussion. So we had an MRI done, and seeing everything that was going on, we saw that my tether cord was already reattached. And it might already be causing me a little bit of discomfort, um, but 
it kind of is a thing where I have to weigh, like, is it really that bad to the point where I need to have another surgery? Because it would be, let's say I had another surgery, it'd be my sixth spinal surgery. And that same spot has so much scar tissue and it looks like an absolute mess in there to surgeons because, I mean, there's scar tissue everywhere. There's um, spinal fluid sacs, there's just so much going on that it's hard to tell what is what, like deciphering even between nerves. So it's pretty risky to go in again. I don't think we're going to want to do that. My surgeon that did my last one almost exactly a year ago tomorrow, I'll have had another spine, my fifth one a year ago. Um, he said that after this, he wouldn't want to do anymore. And he is like one of the best neurosurgeons in the world. So for him to say like no more, I don't think anyone else would want to do that. And he said, if I do end up having any more issues down the road, to maybe consider an orthopedic neurosurgeon that could do a spinal shortening and see if by shortening the spine, it would relieve some of that tension from my tethered cord. So that's something in the back of my mind. If I start having more issues a few years down the road, if I'm in more pain to look into that because the tether cord release is just, we don't want to do that again. Okay. All right. So one thought I had in thinking about this was pain management. Like what have you learned about the mental process of pain management for yourself? Well, I think everything that I've been through, I have a very high pain tolerance. So when it comes to my usual back pain, I'm kind of used to it. And um, I mostly have a very stubborn or strong mentality when it comes to that, where I don't want to take anything, any sort of um, pain relief, even like ibuprofen, because it really doesn't do anything. I, I mean, I've tried a lot of different pain management things medicine-wise, and some of them help, some of them don't, but most of the ones that do help are just very strong, and I don't want to do that unless it's a really bad situation. So when it comes to my pain management, I don't usually take medicine. I usually just mentally try and like relax, kind of do whatever I can to take my mind off of it. Um, And for me, there's multiple different types of pain I get, so I kind of have like things that I do for each type of pain. So like my usual back pain that I get, more muscular, I'll take like an Epsom salt bath, I'll relax some, um, maybe even like meditate, just relax, because usually muscular stuff, relaxation helps. And then if it's more skeletal pain, um, I sometimes do have to take medicine for that because there's not a whole lot you can do for that. Uh, I mean, I can try and relax, but you can't really get your actual bones to relax like you get muscles to relax. And then... When I get nerve pain, which is because I have nerve damage, sometimes my nerves flare up, um, I have to take medicine for that. And it's called gabapentin. A lot of people take it, especially um, people that are a little bit older that may have something like diabetes or other um, conditions that could cause them to have nerve pain. I Like my grandma, um, she takes gabapentin for nerve pain. Um, the only thing for that is sometimes when I get nerve pain, it takes like two days for the medicine to kick in so and it's like constant so I'll just be like in bed and the pain's not going away and it's it's probably the worst pain in my opinion um nerve pain because it's like you feel like you're in pain but there's nothing actually causing it it's just the nerves like 
shocking and flaring up. Um, so that one, that one's pretty hard. Uh, there's, I, I usually just have to try and distract myself from that. Maybe like watch a happy movie or something to help take my mind off that. And there's just a lot of medical things that I have to take care of. And there's lots of different types of pain and ways that I try and manage it. But my usual pain, I have got like a pretty strong attitude when it comes to that. And I have different things that I've tried to help. Um, I'm sure there's even more out there. Like as I get older too, there's probably going to be even more things that come out to help me manage my pain for sure. So have you looked into like the phrase mindfulness, you know, the kind of, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've definitely uh, explored all of that. Um, I remember when I was like 12 before I had one of my, I might have actually been younger. I think I was nine um, before I had my second surgery that went well. My mom had me see a therapist uh, just to get like even mindfulness practices and different things. She gave me meditations to try. Um, So I started doing that from like a young age. And back then I didn't really need it as much because I had that little kid attitude like that everything's going to be fine. I'm going to be okay because I never had anything else happen with those surgeries. I had such a like good attitude. I knew it was going to be fine. Um, as I got older, I had to rely on that stuff more to like try and help calm my mind. I mean, I think we all know like when we're younger, usually we just have a little bright, cheery attitude. And then you get older and there's more things to worry about and more responsibilities. So mindfulness definitely helps me now. And I mean... Sometimes I forget that's like a tool that you have. And then if I'm feeling anxious, I can just take a deep breath and I can like instantly feel that relief. So I think it's really cool that we all have that like just there whenever we need it to try and just clear our mind. And especially being in nature for me really helps, you know, being outside and outdoors and listening to that just kind of calms my mind personally. Have you experimented with white noise and nature sounds when you're having the nerve pain? I think that's mostly the sort of recordings that my therapist gave me when I was younger. They they were sort of um, nature recordings and then someone talking, kind of telling you what to do to relax, kind of like a guided meditation with um, nature noises. But I don't know if I've ever used white noise before. I've heard of it um, I mostly listen to nature noises. Like, if I can't sleep, I'll put on, like, um, the Calm app and, like, listen to rain or something. And that helps me a lot. But I I don't know a lot about white noise. And so is pain just a part of your 24-7? Yes, yeah. Uh, I don't usually have a moment where I'm in no pain. That's very uh, hard to come by for me. I mean, I have had those moments, but it's mostly 24-7. I mean, laying down is the closest thing I get to relief because my muscles aren't, like, tense. They're not trying to work hard to help me try and walk. Um, Sometimes swimming is really good, getting, like, the gravity off me, the pressure. Um, But it just, it doesn't last super long. Um, It's mostly anything that's, like, pulling my body down, like, with gravity, like, standing up, sitting, Um, Things like laying down and fully relaxing or being in a pool is the most comfortable for me. So right now, you have a sensation of pain. Yes, yeah. And about my my low back, my tailbone area, just because, like I said, I had that um, tailbone injury earlier this year. So 
But it's better than if I were to be standing up because then my back would be trying to stabilize me and keep me upright if I were standing. Yeah, that's a lot. But, I mean, you get used to it. You know, like, you adapt to how your life is, so you you get used to it. Like, I mean, this pain to me is very minimal. I've experienced, like, way more pain than this, so it doesn't really bother me much. Well, two things. I guess one is... Is there the hope, and is it plausible, that you've experienced the worst of your pain in your life from just strictly a physical? I think so, yeah. That's a plausible scenario. Yeah. There's points I can think of, like, with my surgeries that I was like, this is not pain that I could handle for longer. Like, this, I mean, it was temporary, but, like, it was very hard to manage that pain. Probably... My bad surgery that went really poorly was the worst pain I had been in. Um, I know it was really hard for, like, my mom to see me like that because she just, she could tell that that was the worst pain I had definitely ever been in. Um, And I just, it was overwhelming for a kid to, like, have to deal with that. And, I mean, that, I think probably my third surgery would be the worst pain I've been in. I mean, the entire experience was horrible. Um... Even just waking up from the surgery was horrible. I remember, I guess I had a bad reaction to the anesthesia, but as soon as I woke up, um, I threw up, and they had to, like, roll me out of the bed, roll me back into it. And after you have a spinal surgery, even literally moving to your side is excruciating. So them, like, rolling me out and putting me back in made me more nauseous, and it was horrible. It was not a fun experience at all. I mean, I can remember all of that stuff very vividly, that surgery, because it was just, it was definitely the worst pain I had been in before. So you're back home after this third surgery. Mm-hmm. How do you find hope in that moment? That was a really hard summer. Um, there was, I mean, I've always had a very hopeful attitude. I've always tried to find the positives and things. Um, I was kind of also taking things day by day. Like, I wasn't too worried about the future because I was dealing with so much in the moment. Um, I remember just every day it was very difficult. I'd kind of just lay in bed most of the time, and there wasn't a lot I could do. I was still in a lot of pain. I remember after that surgery, um, spinal fluid went from my head to my incision and my um, incision was like that far out. It hurt to even wear pants because of how swollen it was. And so even if I like moved my head, it was painful because the spinal fluid left my head and went to my incision. Um, Even like touching it, uh, it was all really horrible. Um, So kind of day by day, there was a lot going on with my body. Um, I remember we had to go to the hospital because we thought it was infected because of the spinal fluid. And um, I was kind of just in bed most of the time, bedridden. Um, And I kind of tried to find things to do, like watch movies with my sister Kayla. We would watch like uh, Marvel movies, like superhero movies, and those helped me a lot. Those have a special place in my heart because of that. So um, those helped. I kind of just did anything that made me happy, like even playing some games. Like my friends would come see me. Um, I even had a pastor come and pray over me, and that helped a lot, like give me some peace and 
just like know that I was going to be okay. So just things like that. I think too, it really helps to have a good attitude about it to kind of just be like, you know, everything's going to be okay. Even if my body is different now than it was before, like I'm, I'm going to be okay. So that helped. Um, is there any gift that you see in the challenge that you have? Yes, definitely. Um, I've never looked at everything I've been through has like a regret, I guess. I've never been like, oh, I wish I could go back and like not have that surgery or not have spina bifida. I mean, maybe the surgery a little bit more is a hard one, like knowing what I know now that the surgery went bad. But even then, uh, I've taken everything that has happened to me in life and like tried to learn something from it and just the person I am now versus the person I was then, like how much growth there was. Um, so what is your gift that you have, or one of them? Um, I don't know. I, I, I know that, I don't know, as a whole, the development I've had like in character, I'd say that is a gift because I feel like I have more empathy for others and like compassion I feel like I've learned a lot too even just about my body and like neurology and nerves and things like that um it I think too if that's what it took for me to kind of realize what I wanted to do in life then I'm happily gonna take those experiences because for me um after that I was going to physical therapy like three times a week and that became such a big part of my life and I realized I was always excited to go to physical therapy um and I enjoyed it so much I loved learning more about the body and so now I want to become a physical therapist so for me having that experience and having that like help show me what I want to do um I think that's really hard for some people to figure out what you want to do but when you have an experience like that and it shows you and you want to help other people I think that's priceless to me like to have something like that happen and to be able to have it impact you like that so you're going to start college this coming fall yes at lsu yes um as of right now i'll be doing kinesiology for pre-physical therapy um and i'm right now debating between becoming a pt like going for the whole seven years getting a phd or being a PTA, which is a physical therapist assistant. Um, they do very similar things. One of them's a lot of school, one's less. So right now I'm kind of weighing the pros and cons between that. But ultimately, they'll be doing basically the same thing I want to do. And um, I think I'd really like to work in pediatrics with like little kids to see even other kids with spina bifida, um, Down syndrome, um, cerebral palsy, like a bunch of different um, things that would require them to need physical therapy. I think that would be really cool. I think I'd really love that. Alright. Is there any excitement to leaving the safety net of home and being out on your own? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I, Whenever I was probably like a sophomore in high school, I was wanting to like graduate early because I was so excited to like be independent because even though I have all these things going on with my body, I always want to like be as independent as I can because it's kind of frustrating sometimes feeling like you need help so I kind of like have this desire to want to be able to do everything on my own um so I'm very excited to be able to go out there and do things on my own but I think I, it's hitting me now that I'm going to be a little sad like leaving my family and friends and everything so it's a very bittersweet weird like time of my life right now trying to enjoy summer but like 
trying to like hang on to every moment I can with family and friends and all of that. Yeah. Is there anyone that you know that's also going to LSU? Um, no one my age that was like at my school or um, any of my friends, but I do have some friends that are already at LSU, so that helps a lot. Um, I probably know like three friends, and I know that I'm going to be involved and like make new friends. They have a lot of clubs, like physical therapy clubs, uh, a bunch. They have so many different um, like activities that you can get involved in, so I think that'll be really good to make new friends, meet new people, so I'm very excited about all that. I know in my life there's people that I look to for inspiration and support, just mm-hmm. even characters. You know, I don't know them, but mm-hmm. they're out. are there any people that you find you regularly turn to for that kind of personal support and inspiration? Um, when I was younger, I probably looked to my mom the most for that sort of thing. She was always, like, very comforting to me. She was always there for me, and, like, she helped me so much, um mentally like be able to handle everything and my family is so important to me as I've gotten older I there's not like one particular person I think for me more of I kind of rely on my faith in God and I pray and I I use that kind of as my model like you know reading my bible and learning about Jesus and kind of just trying to have that same sort of kindness I think that's the only person I probably can think of that I try and like look up to. I mean, it's kind of like a relationship for me, you know, praying and feeling that comfort. Um, but I can't think of anyone else that I necessarily like look up to. So, so is uh, prayer and Bible study part of your daily routine? Definitely prayer. Um, I, I know a lot of people that are also Christians that struggle with always reading the Bible because it's hard. It's um, it can be hard to decipher everything. Definitely praying. I have a devotion that I read almost every day, but um, I kind of more of focus on my relationship with God and praying. Um, I try and read the Bible. Sometimes it's a little hard. I mean, especially when you're younger, trying to understand it all. It's a lot, but definitely, absolutely praying because that gives me so much comfort. That was such a huge mental relief for me with having my surgeries kind of feeling like it wasn't in my hands anymore because I know a lot of people they they feel like they have to have things in their control which I am absolutely like that I try and keep all my life in control because there's so much I have to try and control for my health and well-being um but when it came to my surgeries there was nothing I could really do for it other than pray and be like okay this isn't up to me. I have to have hope that I'm going to be okay. And that was huge for me, especially my last surgery, because that one was the probably riskiest because, I mean, it was the fifth. And by the time you get to that many surgeries, it gets riskier. And I think that was when I could kind of tell my, like, growth when it came to my faith because I, I was at complete peace with it. Like, I, whether I was like completely healed or for some reason when I woke up and I could run again, I could feel my feet again. If I didn't make it in the surgery, like complete opposites, either one I was okay with and I had peace with, which was really comforting to me to not be worried about what was in my control. So you have a lot of peace in your life. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I try. I mean, there's a lot to worry about. You know, there's always something to worry about, but I try really hard because 
there's so much that people want to try and control, but there's some things that you just can't. So recently, um, I had this job where I was taking on the role of someone who was um, handicapped, mm-hmm. and what they were talking about is the f- like the sort of freedom people thought with approaching a handicapped person and being um, not conscious of what they were saying, mm-hmm. like kind of being rude, like they wouldn't. Do you find that to be true in your life where people come up to you and ask you personal questions that they wouldn't ask a person without crutches? Absolutely. Um, People sometimes will just stop me and like talk to me, which it really doesn't bother me because I'm an open book when it comes to that stuff. I I don't mind talking to people about my medical needs. Um, Some people, it does surprise you that they have the audacity has some stuff so I'm like oh my gosh I can tell you so many stories of like people doing stuff like that um like one time I was with my mom and we were grocery shopping and I was in a wheelchair because it's a big store we were going to Sam's so it was this big store and I was in my wheelchair and a lady stopped me and she was like how are you so skinny in your wheelchair she's like I know someone in a wheelchair that like because they can't walk they like gained a bunch of weight and I was like that's kind of like not in your business, to be honest with you. I was like, I mean, I can still walk with crutches and like I go to the gym, I go to physical therapy. She was like, oh, okay. I was like, that was, that was a little weird, you know, <laughs> to stop me, just to ask me about my weight because I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. So definitely weird experiences like that. And I really struggle with that because um, I look oh, like... I don't look so much different than everyone else. Like, I mean, I have crutches and I have some atrophy in my muscles because they have nerve damage. But um, for the most part, I look pretty average, like a just a normal person just with crutches. Um, like if I'm driving, you can't tell that I'm handicapped. And I've had an experience where um, I have a handicap tag and everything, but I was parked in a handicap spot um, at a store. And me and my friends were sitting in the car, we were listening to music, and then a a cop comes up to me. He tells me I shouldn't be in the handicap spot. And I was like, what? Yes, I should. Like, I have a handicap tag, I have a handicap card. And he's like, I'm going to have to see your handicap ID. And I was like, okay. And I was like shaking at this point. I was like, I better have it on me. And so my friend, I pass the turn, she gives it to him. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, it's just like some people, they think they can park in these spots and they can't. I'm like okay, that's fine. It's just, you didn't have to be so rude about it. Like I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, why is he? Cause even after I told him I like, I'm supposed to be in that spot. He's like, you shouldn't be here. And I was like, okay. It's just, it's hard when some people assume that I'm not handicapped and then they find out that it's just, it's an awkward situation. It's not fun. I get super anxious about like using, um, like a scooter, at a grocery store because I feel like people are going to stare at me and think, oh, she shouldn't be in that, even though I literally, I can't feel my feet. Like, it's hard to walk. I get tired, but some people are so judgmental towards that sort of thing, and I struggle with that a lot, like worrying what other people think of that sort of thing. Okay, this is a very personal question, so you have full permission to say... No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too personal. Let's... Okay, okay. Um, do you have aspirations of motherhood of being? Oh, alone? yeah. I have no. That doesn't bother me. Um, that's probably like one of my biggest goals in life, to be honest with you, family, because it's so important to me. Um, I really want to have a family someday, and um, that's something I'm probably a little bit anxious about. But I know when the time comes that 
I'm going to, you know, see the right doctors for that sort of thing. Um, there's not a lot of information on people with spina bifida having kids. I do know that it's more likely to have a child with spina bifida if you have it yourself. Um, but there's different things that I can try and, like, take vitamins, certain stuff for that. What were you going to say? So there's genetic aspects to the disease? Yes, yes. Um, they honestly don't know exactly what causes it all. Um, there's no one in my family who had spina bifida. Um, I think some of it can be genetic, environmental, um, like how you take care of the baby when you're like having the baby. Um, and then sometimes I think it can be completely random. Like you, it's more likely to prevent having spina bifida if you take folic acid because that helps develop the neural tube um, when you're pregnant and I think the hard part about that is usually you have to take that within the first very very early like you some people don't even know they're pregnant yet like the first whatever I don't know how many weeks because yeah. um, that's when it's forming so that is something that's hard for people to know when to take those vitamins so for me personally it'd have to be um, 100% planned. I'd have to see like high risk OBGYN to make sure that I do everything I can to try and have a perfectly healthy baby. So, oh, yeah. that's very cool to hear. Yeah, yeah. And I have no problem talking about that because that's a big goal of mine for sure. Awesome. And I've tried to do as much research on that sort of thing as I could. So, well, the only th- other thing that comes to mind that I haven't brought up is with your spiritual relationship and your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Even in the Bible, it's pretty common that someone is like, "Hey, what the hell? You know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Have you had those moments in your relationship with God where you're like, what?" Yeah, and I think anyone who goes through any sort of trials in their life, if you have a relationship with God, is going to be like, "Why? Why am I going through this?" I that does not happen to me often because I kind of have the mindset that everything happens for a reason and I've been able to see that like in my life that because of everything I've been through I've been able to inspire other people and like there's goals I have in life to maybe like write a book and like spread awareness of this sort of thing that I'm able to see that there's a purpose behind everything I've been through so probably more when I was younger and it was harder for me to understand what I was going through I had a hard time with that. I think my parents, especially my mom, had a hard time with that going. I mean, it's really hard. If I was born with this and this was the only thing I would know, it would be different. But to have the freedom to run and like play sports and be super involved and not have the pain I have and then completely like 180 and lose that all, that was very difficult. So I think that was probably the time in my life where I struggled trying to understand why. Um, but as I got older and I started to develop more into the person I am now, I could understand that there, it's made me a stronger person. There's a reason behind it. And I kind of have the peace that if one day um, I God chooses to heal me, that would be amazing. And if not, I'm okay with that as well. Um, I'm happy with the way my body is, even if it's a hard body, if it's complicated to take care of. Um, I just appreciate what I have anyway. Like I'm, I'm thankful to be alive and to be able to do the things that I do. So that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything that you would like to share with people like a life lesson where you're, um, I think for me, maybe the biggest thing that 
I would learn from all of this is to really like count your blessings and be thankful for what you have because I mean someday you may not be able to walk or you may like go blind or you lose your hearing like things that we don't even like realize we're so lucky to have things that we just completely take advantage of in our life that like someday you may not have that and so it's really humbling to be thankful for what you already do have because we're all really blessed we're all very lucky there's so many people that have it worse and I think that's why for me personally I don't like pity myself in any way because there's so many people that have it so much worse and I have so much to be thankful for and there's just a lot of stuff I could like write pages and pages of stuff to be thankful for because there's a lot there's a lot in our lives that I mean it's miraculous our bodies work the way they do so there's so many things that could go wrong so it's so important to like every day just be thankful for what you have